Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Hey, great show, guys. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber, coming to you live from various locations. Futures are green as investors watch the number of new COVID cases continue to drift lower. Uh, more lockdown restrictions easing in states like Connecticut and Michigan today. Retail earnings from Lowe's and Target. Oil's above 32 in the 10-year, about 71 basis points. But, Jim, uh, when we look at these retail numbers, you made the point a few moments ago that uh, it's about basket size and, and just looks at the issue of what happens when uh, you're able to open and a lot of your competitors are not. Right. Well, I, I think Doug McMillan has this, the four stages of, uh, of, let's say, the opposite of grief to acceptance. It's more like acceptance and then euphoria. At the beginning, they're stocking up, and by the end, they're buying TVs. And he really laid out a course that I felt was very, very optimistic, uh, but not that optimistic for anybody who competes with him. Uh, because you, when you hear what he's winning in, it's every category that the small business guys do. I mean, it's the bicycles. They've got the good TVs going. They've got some boutique games. And he owns all of that now. He owns video games now. There wasn't anything that I heard that didn't indicate that, that you go to Walmart instead of you go to a small business. And I know that, that Doug's not like that. And David, by the way, Doug was very interested in the fact that you bought your uh, pull-up uh, bar there. But that, again, is the niche that you might have gone to a gym. But no, you took that yes. order from a no. small business guy and you gave it to the king. Well, yes, I guess that is true. The power tower. And it wasn't cheap, I will have you know. But it's very difficult to find anything in which to do exercises at home. As you guys both probably know, everything was sold out. Um, you know, what we've talked about a lot, of course, is how this crisis is going to change behavior, Jim, uh, and what things are going to look like when we're on the other side, as we seem to be moving towards that right now, not just in the workplace, but overall. And certainly, how ingrained is it now going to be for people to simply go to Walmart.com yeah. or Target.com? Yeah. I mean, you look at that 141% comparable digital sales uh, increase at Target for the first quarter or Walmart's. And to the point you've been making many times, how much is traditional retail just going to be losing even more when they get to the other side of this as well, given those changing behaviors? Oh, look, obviously, this people like this idea of ordering and then coming to Target and having a guy put it in your in your tr- in your trunk. You never have to touch. You never do anything. Uh, you're, you're at home rather than next day. Amazon, it's right there. It's a, it's one of the ways to get goods. But what is the little guy doing? Well, the little guy's closed. So suddenly you have this new allegiance to Target online. I know some people are worried that they're the apparel. Well, they didn't make a lot of money on apparel, whatever. It, it, who, what apparel store that's closed can compete 
with someone that has pretty good private label apparel for good prices when you're not even going to work and needing good looking clothes. I mean, this is just the moment for these stores. It will never be this good again. But what they will do because of the way that uh, the non-essential stores were uh, had to close, they will be able to leverage the fact that they sold food target and they're crushing it. And I know there's some people who think that this isn't a great number. I mean, to me, they could be, they're building on this. This is Q2. He spent a fortune, Brian, on making this thing work. And it's working. And those who don't like the stock, uh, like the last time when he reported the stock was at 112, people didn't like the margins, it went to 106. And then where did it go? Well, it, it went to the moon because who can compete against this if you want something that day? Maybe Walmart? I, wow, that's it? That's it. How do you like being deemed yeah, not I mean, even McMillan... McMillan even talking about uh, the level of hiring they've done, which we talked about yesterday at this time. A lot of that hiring is coming from people who either worked at a hotel, he said, but also from other retailers. And, Jim, when you talk, when you think about the costs that Walmart's paying in COVID-related uh, expenses, this number from Target, which isn't exactly comparable right. given the, the different time frame, but, and given the lessened competition, what's to keep them from completely controlling pricing in categories where it's hard to find goods anyway. Nothing. Nothing. Uh, it lows $340 million to their associates and to frontline workers, uh, special payments. You're getting employees who are compensated well. Let's not forget Costco, which probably is the best of the compensation, but no one, can, very few people can keep up with these prices. You can't. I mean, this is one of those where uh, this may have ended up happening one day, uh, but there always were boutique stores that could survive. And now those boutique stores have lost a base of customers. And as you say, Carl, a base of workers who really were the people who might have known the customers. Uh, the big guys won. And, but it's not the fault of the government, uh, unless you think like I do, that they, this non-essential uh, ta- uh, tag seemed very wrong to me. Uh, but you know what? It happened. It's over. The big guys won. Fortunately, they're fun to shop at. I like going to Lowe's. I got a good Lowe's right near me. It used to be a not great Lowe's. Then Marvin Ellison fixed it. I, I think they must have gone in there personally. It's so good. Uh, Walmart is a great place to shop now. I like it. And I shop. I just bought a TV at Target. It was a fabulous experience right in the trunk. Right. No touch. No touch. I like that. But to what extent as well are these retailers in a position, given their size, to take on the additional costs that they have to to make their stores safe and make their employees safe? I mean, we're looking at what that $500 million commitment, for example, that Target says of extended benefits for team members and safety measures that it's put into place. And Home Depot, uh, what was the number, $800 million yesterday, guys, if I recall? Uh, you know, these are significant costs that not every retailer is in a position to bear either. Who can put you in? You put a plexiglass? You want to put, I once tried to buy a piece of plastic at Lowe's, and uh, I, told, I told Marvin what, they weren't that helpful, uh, Marvin Nelson, uh, on, on Mad Money tonight, but uh, it was one piece of plastic. If you want to buy plastic, plexiglass, you are in control if you're Walmart. The price you can get is probably the lowest imaginable. Now, if you're a kind of a semi you know, retailer with four stores, I'd rather go to one with plexiglass, OK, because it's about protecting me. Well, a four store guy trying to put in plexiglass is going to wipe out that month's maybe that month's profits. So this is just a scale winning. And I think that the people at home may not understand that the changes that these companies made to make it safer for you are simply too expensive 
for the smaller guys to do. One more reason why the smaller guys will be buried. They have to have an online presence. They have to, be, have, to, have, to have a Facebook shop uh, in order to be able at least to bring in some money. Yeah. Uh, the McMillan interview uh, really covered the gamut. He talked about uh, the category shortages in adult bikes and sporting goods and crafts, talked about the hiring process in the middle of this pandemic, and then also talked about liability protection and what needs to be afforded to businesses as they do uh, reopen. Take a quick listen to this. I think that debate should happen and some level of support should be provided. You know, no one in this country wanted this to happen. Um, it's it's a virus that has spread across every part of the, of the country, and we just need to work together to try and create a safe environment for businesses to come back online in every way. And I think some form of liability protection for them is, is a piece of the puzzle. Jim, it sounds like this is going to be part of whatever uh, McConnell and Schumer and Pelosi can put together if there is to be a phase four uh, rescue package. Right. Uh, McDonald's got, law, got sued yesterday. Workers too close together. Uh, I think this is going to be a common refrain. I think there's going to be a, a remarkable uh, personal injury uh, bull market. Uh, I wish you could buy it. That stock will probably have a 40 P.E. or maybe a 50 P.E. Those guys are going to make so much money. Uh, they, these, these companies do need some relief from this. I mean, what did they, how did you know on February 23rd, other than if you were me and completely crazed, that you would have to change the whole world because of, of something that happened that you can't see? Uh, but the lawyers have to make it. They have to try. I mean, I don't know how they did the last couple of months. How else are they going to make the money other than suing all the big guys? Uh, I, I do. I, I have to admit. The big guys, to some degree, uh, were exceptional during this period. I mean, it, it, they sold. One of the things that Doug and Bill said is they they sold in two or three hours what they usually sold in two or three days for disinfectants, for uh, uh, grocery staples, surface cleaners. And little guys could never do that. So at least they they helped you as a consumer. I mean, they brought prices down. As a consumer, you have to love companies that brought prices down, competed against each other for lower prices uh, against Amazon, which we have to mentioned. It's been four. Billion. If they're going to get sued for doing what we really want them to do, I, I think they do deserve some protection. David, you pro plaintiff bar there? Not, not talking. Yeah, no, no. I think you're right to point out that it's going to be a point of contention in terms of phase four and whether you get it. Obviously, the Democrats are in, are in support of what was it, a three trillion dollar bill that's going to bring a lot of needed and necessary. Either one, aid to the states, uh, which uh, are obviously yelling and screaming about huge budget shortfalls. But this idea of, of extending a measure of protection to businesses when it comes to litigation is an important one and one that's going to certainly be embraced, uh, one would think, by the Republicans. So will we get there, I guess, is the key question in terms of any additional aid being apportioned, particularly for the states, guys, which continue to say if you don't get it to us, there are going to be a lot of layoffs coming in our municipal workforces. The states are pretty broke. The hospitals are totally broke. I mean, I, I was speaking yeah. to Mr. Sperling, Mass Gen. I mean, these you know, hospitals, they weren't allowed to get the surgeries that really uh, they made a lot of money on, you know, the kind of so-called elective. But they even do you know that brain cancer was elective in the end up at Mass Gen? Brain cancer. That's how badly this, yeah. you know, th th this uh, scourge that a lot of people seem to forget, it, particularly in the South, uh, impacted the North. 
I, it is kind of there was a I don't know, there was a big some annual beach party in uh, in Texas where not only did people congregate, but I mean, it was almost like a, they were like trying to distribute COVID. But I think there's a lot of people who genuinely feel that if you're under 30, COVID is not a disease. It's a uh, something you should read about. Uh, and I just, right. geez, I don't know. What a divide. Yeah. Well, you're talking about Galveston? Is that yes, where I so think I, I saw some of that? I didn't want to mention by name because yeah, then they're going to, yeah. everyone yeah. in Galveston's going to hate me. And then we're going to get into a Logan's Run issue. You know Logan's Run, David, right? No. We, we right. Just, yes, I do. I remember that. You do? But listen, your point you on the hospitals is an important one. And one we've made a number of times, Jim, which is the elective surgeries they rely on, of course, right. is given the big profit margins there have disappeared. And many people have put off things that they need to do for their own health. And so there is sort of a question as to how many uh, people are going to be negatively impacted by not having done things. There was a 30% decline in the number of cancer diagnoses in Boston hospitals. Now, do you think the cancer declined by 30%? No, they just didn't go. They were afraid. Yeah, big implications for huge medical giants like J&J, of course, which is in the news for some other reasons as well. We're going to get to that. A lot of airline news this morning. We'll cover uh, what uh, United told Phil LeBeau this morning. And, of course, vaccines, as we got that reality check from Stat News yesterday about mRNA-1273 from Moderna. Take a short break here. Talk to Meg Terrell about that story in just a moment. Don't go away. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Welcome back. We're all keeping a close eye, of course, on efforts to develop a vaccine for COVID-19. And as that race continues and intensifies, drug makers are forming partnerships to combat the pandemic. Meg Terrell joins us now. She has more on that story. Meg. Oh, hi, David. If these companies are successful in developing a safe and effective vaccine for COVID-19, the next challenge is going to be manufacturing it on this massive scale, enough to potentially supply the world. And in order to do that, they are forging these partnerships. Take a look at some of what the biggest companies have done so far. Johnson & Johnson partnering with Emergent Biosolutions uh, and plans to partner with more to get to a billion doses by the end of next year. Moderna and Lanza partnering for a billion dose goal. Um, Oxford has brought on AstraZeneca as a partner, Pfizer and BioNTech working together and may bring on more partners. GSK and Sanofi also putting goals out there of more than a billion doses by the first half of next year. And a lot of these companies are depending on a segment of the market we almost never hear about, contract manufacturers. And this is a large and growing portion of how our medicines get made. Uh, In 2018, PwC estimates they brought in about $99 billion in revenue as an industry, but predict that will grow to $160 billion by 
by 2025. These are companies like Emergent Biosolutions and Lanza. And I've been talking with a lot of experts about this challenge that manufacturing at such scale presents, and they pointed out a couple really major questions. Uh, one is the fact that a lot of these vaccine technologies are brand new, so they're going to be building the scale as they're still figuring out the technologies. The second, of course, are supply chain concerns. Uh, our ability to manufacture at scale is only as strong as the weakest link in the supply chain, they tell me. We talked with Lanza's CEO about what keeps him up at night uh, in planning on the Moderna manufacturing this morning on Squawk Box. Here's what he told us. What could go wrong and create some delays is having access to the equipment. We are building new plants, new manufacturing plants with specific equipment. And this is the main reason why we could be delayed in our, in our, in our, in our timelines. And guys, though they do have funding from BARDA uh, to Moderna, almost half a billion dollars, and Moderna, of course, also did that stock offering on Monday of more than a billion dollars uh, in stock, which they say they're going to apply toward manufacturing and distribution, Lanza's CEO told us they will still need more funding to get that, to that billion dose goal. Guys. Yeah, Meg, of course, Moderna is seemingly so important to the movement of our markets over the last few days. And as you point out, a billion two five. Uh, raise for that company yesterday in the in the markets itself as the stock had shot up on Monday. What do you make of sort of the 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 focus on that eight patient study at this point? I mean, are we seeing things that we simply typically wouldn't see in drug development because this is such a unique time uh, and therefore we have to kind of give them a little more room, a little more wiggle room, maybe in terms of what they're seeing? We're definitely seeing things we wouldn't normally see. And this situation is is just fascinating. Uh, that small number, the, the eight patients, of course, that is earlier than we would normally see for phase one data. And Scott Gottlieb this morning on Squawk Box brought up the timing of the Operation Warp Speed press briefing on Friday, where Monsef Slawi, the scientific leader of that operation, who at the time was on Moderna's board, indicated he had seen data that made him even more confident we'd have a vaccine by the end of 2020. Uh, and so there's some speculation, including cited by Gottlieb this morning, that Moderna had to report the data out because there was that illusion made to it on Friday. So maybe it was earlier than they normally would report. Uh, and guys, I did reach out to Moderna CEO Stefan Bonsell uh, upon seeing this Stat News article yesterday to get his take on it. And, you know, one of the points in the article was that it was a small number of patients, eight patients. And he acknowledged that and said they pointed that out as well. It is a small number of patients. The other question that's come up a lot is why the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, Dr. Fauci's organization, hasn't acknowledged the data. And there, he pointed me to a tweet from Vice President Pence, um, who did say he talked with Fauci about the data in a briefing, and he was very excited about it. So there are so many questions about this, guys, uh, and it's not a normal situation at all. Well, Meg, I think that the biggest problem and what offended most people was that, uh, and a lot of younger companies like Moderna do this, and really suffers from a the curious disease of a premature explanation. There was uh, kind of something that said they don't really deserve 
to be able to, to put out anything that was promotional or be promotional because they did blanket the airwaves. I believe it would have been good for them to be able to say, and you know what, I just want to be clear to everybody, we will need the money to be able to go to the next level. And, and the fact that they didn't volunteer, a lot of people are mad that we didn't pry it out of them. And you know what? Yeah, sure. I like to ask these companies. I like to ask all these young companies. So what are you going to do for money? And typically they, they say, well, we really can't talk about it or uh, you can imagine what we have to do. And I would have preferred if they had provided that information, too. Uh, but you, you, I think that you would just can explain to us that it's not necessarily when they say eight for eight. Uh, that they had to do that, but it would have been good when they did eight for eight, which is way too small and means nothing. And for all we know that they were all 23 year olds and they were cherry picked, that it would have been good for them to say, hey, you know what? Our stock is up a lot. Uh, you know, they are the largest now in that particular index. You know, you know, remember, we do have to fund our company. Had they just done that, I think people wouldn't begrudge them so much. Yeah, although, I mean, I don't understand all the financial disclosures, but if they had, could they have said in advance they were planning on raising stock based on the data? I mean, raising money through a stock sale. I think they're just in a very complicated position. You know, a lot of us were were probing, why haven't we seen the phase one data yet when we knew they'd gotten the go-ahead from the FDA based on safety to start the phase two? Uh, But then they did report what they had, and now they're being criticized for reporting so little data. Well, I mean, look, Inovia's well, out there reporting a lot of data, but like you want mice, it, it's just very hard for these companies to know what to do. Yeah, but it, the, one of the things that when you're in doubt, uh, just tell, just say we passed phase one. There was no need to give any more detail because once you give some detail, you got to give all detail. Meg, uh, thank you. Uh, we'll be, of course, following it closely. Uh, we're right back on Squawk on the Street. Stay with us. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Coming off that late-day sell-off on Tuesday, where the Dow lost steam going into the final minutes of trade, but looks to get most of that back this morning. Futures indicate a 300-plus point pop at the open when the opening bell rings in just about five minutes. All right, we've got three minutes to get to an opening bell. Let's squeeze in a mad dash. Analog devices on the radar today. Jim, why? People don't think about it. This is a $40 billion company, David. And I created this Kramer's COVID index. And what it really is is kind of trying to replace so-called uh, the S&P 500 because there's so many zombie companies now in the S&P 500. Analog is a company that makes devices that go into everything, not just they're not they're not cell phone. OK, they're not focused on that. For instance, they've got a, a robust business that they do in medical equipment. 
Uh, they also do a lot of lighting. They do a lot of sound. Their chips go everywhere, uh, industrial chips. And they had an amazing quarter. Uh, they had a great supply chain, so they were able to produce everything that they need. And the diversification made it so that they uh, did far better than people think. Once again, I mean, here's a company, a semiconductor company, you would have expected in a recession or depression that they'd be doing badly. But they've got a great book of business, and they, uh, they just had a fantastic quarter. Fantastic. Chip making, yeah, important important parts of the economy, no doubt about right. it. And how many how many how many uh, companies do you have in that COVID index of yours? Hundred. I was going through. Yeah, There's a lot, but hundred. It, it's a hundred. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. We wanted yeah. to try to look. The S and P, we all know, is filled with companies that have incredibly high price earnings multiples. Because once once we see the actual earnings, that we'll realize that there's like nothing there. Uh, I mean, nothing, meaning there are no earnings and uh, companies cutting dividends. You heard some retailers yesterday that just, I mean, come on, they're just not going to make it. Now, David, I'll go to you to the Pier 1 liquidation sales and we'll buy some nice Chotskys for our country houses. But that's what those are for. That used to be a real company. And we watched a lot of companies come out that have no – will Nordstrom make it? Will Kohl's make it? I don't know. Uh, but a company like Analog Devices, I mean, that is a company that is set up for this moment. And they're not – they are essential. They produce essential chips. And they're taking over the world, these kinds of companies. So we have to focus on them, not just retailers. You didn't do hump day, David. No. Happy hump day. The social distance really does ruin the camaraderie, you know? It, well, I don't know. Well, maybe. it doesn't ruin it. It well, changes it. Well, it it's, changes an, it's an introverted. I, mean, I can still. It's an introverted. Uh, it's an introverter's paradise for you, David. Right? Yeah. Well, I'm not really an introvert. It's it's no. a complicated situation. All you right. can feel the love coming from me. I know you both can. You keeping your numbers for Viacom right here, <laughs> Carl? Save us. There's the opening bell, guys. Uh, interesting session here, Jim. I wonder, um, you know, we're looking every day now. We're in this sort of uh, no man's land of seeing states reopened, not necessarily knowing the impact on new cases. But overall, new cases are down 45 percent from the highs uh, 25 days ago. That's a nationwide number. Um, and I wonder if you think if this continues to work, where we see a continued drift lower does the emphasis on a vaccine get lessened and we think more about therapeutics and testing? It's a big totally. question right now. Totally. I think that the uh, you're going to get a cherry on top for the uh, for the vaccine right now. If, if this trend uh, continues, and we've seen this trend in other countries. Uh, obviously, we're much more two weeks from now uh, looking to see what happens. We still have a lot of cases, though. Uh, if we got something that got you out of the hospital even faster than a remdesivir cocktail uh, and you take off the table, say, the people who are 65 and under as opposed to just 30 and under, then you begin to say, well, you know what? This is a disease for older and for pre-existing and for, for the unlucky. Now, I, I don't want to say that because there's just so many people who got sick and it's just a terrible thing. And there's still going to be a lot of people who get sick, but uh, it's not front and center unless there's a spike. Right. It's just not. Instead, we think about how much money the Federal Reserve pumped into this economy. I mean, it's incredible. Why? Right. We have, no, we haven't yet talked about uh, Powell Mnuchin yesterday. But to your point on reopening, Jim, uh, Connecticut is the first New York tri-state 
to really start opening hair salons, outdoor dining. Upper Michigan is going to start Yellowstone National Park. And, of course, Disney Springs. Today's the day. We've been talking about it for a couple of weeks now. But uh, May 20th today is when you will be able to go to Walt Disney World and maybe not ride a ride, but definitely get some pizza and uh, go shopping. Oh, people do that. Look, when they're lining up to get into a casino, don't you have to go by the stock of Penn National Gaming? I mean, there's just... I, I, people line up for things that you never thought they'd line up for. I mean, there's, they're going to line up for haircuts. When Planet Fitness opened up, uh, I know that they were unsure whether people would come back. They, they provide towels. They provide uh, paper towels and some disinfectant. And people came right back. Uh, are people, people fearless or stupid? Uh, I don't know. Uh, but I know that four weeks ago, these would have been unthinkable things. And we did go to the abyss, and now we have to understand that there are still lots of stores that are closed and lots of companies that can't, that, that can't do any selling. So we keep defaulting to Walmart. Now, Target's down today because the people are getting tired of the margins. Target will go down four, and then when uh, Brian Cornell's on tomorrow, it'll go up five. I mean, these big retailers have the run of the joint. Uh, the little guys, as they open up, I hope they have customers. Yeah, you know, I, Jim, I've heard that. We see the pictures. But I don't know if you guys caught Tillman Fertitta yesterday when he was on Power Lunch. Of course, uh, Landry's is his company, also the owner of the Houston Rockets. But, you know, Landry's, remember, they're, you're talking what I think Del Frisco's and Mastro's. They've got sort of uh, some high end, but along the line and obviously the casinos. Take a listen to what he said, guys, because it, it's not about necessarily – Figuring out how to reconfigure your restaurant, he's still talking about people not showing up. It's not just a social distancing. Believe it or not, that hasn't been as big an issue as is that 15 to 20 percent of America is unemployed. 15 to 20 percent are scared of losing their job or holding on to their money. And 15 to 20 percent are just damn scared of going out in public yet. My operators are telling me that we're really not turning away the business at this point. It's just the business isn't there. Wow. You know, Jim, that's a little bit different than than at least the world that you're discussing right now. And I, I, he's a straightforward guy. We yeah, know that he's got that him. big payroll, too. Uh, but I'll give you the other side of the uh, equation of people who come on air that we know. Uh, take a look at the at Marcus Lemonis's uh, company, Camping World Holdings. I mean, camping has come back. It's a great way. You, you get a camper. You don't have to worry about staying in a hotel room. I thought it was interesting that Robert Kaplan in his interview, the, the truncated interview with, with a, you know, he's Federal Reserve uh, official uh, with Steve Leisman, talked about staying in hotels as, as, some, as somehow brave. So, yes, I think that there is an element of the lost job. But again, that cuts in Walmart's favor, right? The lost job cuts in Walmart, cuts in Dollar General's favor. And the scare factor is really for uh, people uh, who are, say, 50 and over, because obviously from the places we see, like Boulevard, corrected on that Galveston, when you see the people on the beaches and you see the people lined up for bars, these are not necessarily uh, these are people who I think basically feel like they're not rolling the dice. So I mean, there's a lot of different businesses that are doing better. But uh, but for Tita's right, he's an honest guy who comes on and basically says, listen, my businesses are hurting. And there's surveys, a Cowan yeah. survey came out and said, what, people, uh, restaurants down 60% year over year. That is, that's just people who, are, who don't want to don't risk it. They'd rather go to Chipotle and take it out. Yeah, but if we're going to sequester, Jim, 
older demographics from economic activity. I mean, we don't need to tell you what percentage of consumer spending comes from older people, right? They are the people with the money to a large degree. The baby boomers like to spend. Uh, They like to go out. They feel like eternal youth, but the disease has proven them that they they don't have eternal lungs. And obviously the fear factor there is still very high. Uh, They've taken a tremendous amount of money out of the market, four trillion out on the sidelines. And I think a lot of it is the boomers who just said, who needs this? When the Dow went from 28,000, 18,000, this is too crazy a place to put money. But there's enough people who now realize, holy cow, maybe that was a big mistake. But yes, you can't lose the whole uh, it, it, you can't lose everybody from the baby boomers and still think that business could be good, especially because they've made the money and they're not afraid of losing their job because they may be retiring. You get extra if you're 65 or over in some of these stores. Make a little extra money. Yeah. Uh, I, interesting to hear uh, James Quincy of Coke on Squawk this morning. Uh, in his words, saying the economic impact of all of this is just starting, David. And, I mean, it's... It's uh, mid-May right now, but uh, come August 1, we're going to talk a lot more about what happens when uh, stimulus checks and unemployment run out. Come October 1, when these airlines are free to start making permanent layoffs, what happens then? So um, summer is a bit of a bridge, but we still don't know what's on the other side of that bridge. No, and and that's a key consideration, although with the S&P down only, what, 8.3% as of this very moment for the year, there are those who simply at least seem to believe, guys, that, that the economy is going to rebound more sharply than most of the people I think we speak to believe, given what Carl just said, that you're going to have a large amount of, of people unemployed at the end of the year, that consumer spending, which, of course, drives our economy, is still not going to be there in the way that it had been previous, previously in this year or in 2019. I don't know, Jim, you know, is, is uh, 20 gets a pass, but is 21 really going to be the same as 19 or are we going to be waiting till 22 or 23? Well, look, I think that one of the things that we got to start talking about is that what we're looking at has nothing to do with the economy. It just doesn't. I mean, the economy is not uh, Lululemon, and the, the economy is, isn't uh, Facebook. It's not Google. It's not Amazon. That's the new economy, and that's doing incredibly well. And I, I think a lot of the things that you know, we are, as I always say, we're not trading luncheonettes. We're not trading pizza parlors. We're not trading with the 70 percent of the economy. We're trading the 30 percent of the economy. And 30 percent of the economy, a, there was a health care recession. That's ending as the elective surgery, as the Botox generation comes back there. There's something that the, that the baby boomers will excel, excel in. Uh, we're just don't we're not trading the things that got hurt. Maybe we never realized how different the stock economy is. And in 1929, the stock economy <laughs> fell apart. In, in 2020, the stock economy soared. It is just incredible. Right. Uh, that's true. Yeah. Well, uh, Jim, uh, they say the stock market's not the economy. And we get, seem to get reminded about that fact every day. As for airlines, uh, it's been a week just chock full of news. You got the Southwest 8K yesterday talking about load factors going up, they think, in the next couple of months. Same thing out of Delta. And then uh, the new head of uh, United Airlines uh, with Phil Lebeau this morning talking about continued optimism, at least on a small bounce. And this partnership with the airline and Cleveland Clinic and Clorox to try to convince flyers that uh, cleanliness is priority number one. Take a listen. We're confident that we will get through the other side. We just have to get through the crisis. We need to get through 
to a full recovery. And we're, we, like everyone, are confident that the virus will be defeated. There will be a recovery. Uh, and while it's too early to, you know, say we see the light at the end of the tunnel yet, uh, it's certainly a lot less dark in here than it was a few months ago. Well, it's hard to be less hard to be. Hi, Jim. I mean, come on. I mean, how it could be darker? They were flying planes where there were two people on them. I mean, I, I, you would get down to one person. Uh, and then, of course, suddenly there's routes that uh, that are too filled. But I still think that one of the major areas where they make big money is, is uh, travel and leisure that is being co-opted by Zoom. And another is travel and leisure that makes it so that when you get there, you're quarantined. So that if you want to take the, week, the typical week off in America and then you go to a country where you're quarantined for two weeks, I mean, where's your vacation? So a lot of the really great routes that they have, I think, are still not coming back. But it doesn't matter. The Treasury, own, Treasury owns a lot of them anyway. Right? I mean, Treasury's the biggest shareholder. Yeah. Didn't Treasury replace Warren Buffett? I thought, Maybe Treasury bought uh, well, Buffett. Well, I thought so, it was interesting. Just kidding. What? I think Buffett doesn't seem to be buying much of anything right now, just no, selling. But I thought but it was interesting yesterday when Mnuchin, when Mnuchin indicated they fully expected Boeing was going to need federal help, remember? And then he said, but look, the, the help that the, the bond market has gotten from the Fed's actions, even though they hadn't actually done much in it in terms of intervening, were enough to get that $25 billion deal done. A lot of but people feel that that's interesting Sunday hearing night deal. him say right. that, yeah, was the, that, he, that was they the fully bottom. expected they were going to have to help yeah. Boeing. I yeah. think that was the bottom. I remember, uh, you know, uh, Greg Smith, who's the terrific CFO, uh, talking about how we didn't need the government. And that was tremendous, tremendously important. So you had that Carnival Cruise not needing uh, big P.E. at Shylock rates. And then you got Boeing being able to do the deal. And then after that, the discussion was, wow, I see what's going to happen. They're not going to let 2007 happen. They're going to expand the money supply at the same pace that they did over a five year period. They're going to do it in three weeks and they're not going to let anybody fail. And so therefore, the it's just going to be the 70 percent, the small business that we're going to see and they'll piece it together with the PPP. And I think PPP is great. But remember, yeah. if you're getting PPP in, uh, in a de Blasio world, I mean, we're not allowed to open. You know, great. We paying the yeah. employees that thank you, Secretary Mnuchin. But now the next thing we would like to open, that would be like terrific. Yeah, you got to That's got to be pushed out. That's got to be pushed well, out. We hear from so many different restaurant owners. Yeah, I know. And I know. In the meantime, I know. I'm reading that I said people yeah. in, the, in the South, you have to be either fearless or stupid. And people say, well, hold on. no, it's just that people don't know anyone who got sick. Well, that doesn't make them uh, brilliant. I, I think you can read the paper every day or the 24,000 uh, yesterday that the CDC said in our country. 24,000 people got this thing yesterday. I mean, I, I know all this uh, stuff yeah, about flattening still- curve, but, you know, we don't have 24,000 people getting sick of, of some illness every day. You know, people stop no. kidding themselves. You know, like this thing, you know, I'd love to think that it's over. It'd be great. I don't want to wear this N95. It's very hot. It's got this thing that lets, you know, you can't get through there because in the clean room and the semiconductors, that's what it's for about the microns. But, you know, I wear it. Mm-hmm. I wear it because yeah, I don't want to give somebody, somebody whatever the hell I have. And one of the things that the government did wrong was didn't think that during those first three days that when you were asymptomatic that you, that you could make anyone sick. But that's when you're a super spreader. And, you know, look, I hope the South doesn't run into any super spreaders, but they should go back and read the Biogen article where Biogen had their convention and everyone got it. You mean, if the Biogen had the convention in a southern town, we would be speaking differently. But they didn't. They had it in Cambridge. We might. 
We might have. We might be. We're we're watching closely, but it does appear that the openings are going to go ahead no matter what. We want that. I don't want anyone to think that we want anyone to get sick. The case count may may rise, but we we seem to have made a decision, at least in those parts of the country. Well, God love them. Waiting here. Guys, um, uh, real quickly, you know, not a lot of deals to talk about here. And in fact, don't have an update for you on Grubhub and Uber, the one deal that's sort of out there, at least. Um, Things have gotten quiet there. Not clear it means it's getting close or actually uh, they've not been unable to agree on price. But I, I, what we are seeing more of is deals that are falling apart. Yesterday, it was this um, Advent was supposed to uh, take private Forescout uh, technology uh, company, uh, Forescout. Uh, today, uh, Advent uh, gets sued by Forescout. <laughs> and so we're seeing more litigation and more deals break apart. There's the stock uh, right there. Why are they suing them? They're saying, guys, you, you said that you're pulling out because of the impact of, co- of, the, of the virus, but it was carved out in our merger agreement. None of the following will constitute a company material adverse effect. Pandemics or, and other force majeure events in the United States, except to the extent that such effect has had a material disproportionate adverse effect on the company. And so they say, hey, Forcecat is bringing an action for specific performance in Delaware saying you guys, it was a $1.9 billion deal, by the way, stocks, uh, the company's market value now about half that, $900 million or so, busted deals unlike most others, rather than containing a standard material adverse effect provision, the merger agreement here, executed after COVID-19 was declared a global public health emergency, specifically allocated the risk of any impact from a pandemic to Advent. They're going to court. That's what we're seeing more of. And of course, Jim, you brought it up many times. Will there be other deals in companies that have been severely impacted that try to get out of them, we will see. Yeah, there has to be. There has to be. Uh, that retail world is so hard, right? Hey, why don't the retail? Why don't you, people buy? Uh, I mean, the, one of the great things, the great shortages we have, is uh, space for Amazon. I'm still waiting for Amazon to buy up one of these zombie uh, retail chains so that they can have the distribution centers that Target and Walmart have, which is the brick and mortar stores, which are amazing DCs. Yeah. Amazing. A lot of dis- a lot of speculation about what they might have their, their targets on, uh, Jim. So 29.64 here. Uh, we got the NDX up 8% for the year, <sighs> basically within 3% of an all-time high on uh, the NASDAQ 100. And a 20-year bond auction today. Let's get to Rick Santelli. Absolutely. There is a 20-year today, first time in decades. Let's look at a week to date of 10s as we prepare to try to handicap how it's going to go. You see, week to date of 10s, we've escalated up a bit from kind of the mid-60s to the low 70s. But all in all, the 10-year is half and half. It's half the rest of the world just enamored to get a positive yield. The other half comes here on a flight to safety, of course, with major concerns about how all this may turn out. If you look at a three and a half year of another combination on the yield curve, 30s to 10s, it's pretty steep. Steve, it's, it's been in three and a half years. And if you look at the when issued 20 year, the reason I wanted to bring up uh, how the long maturities are just distancing themselves with the 30-year, the most aggressive. Well, the 20-year's smack in the middle. Looks like its yield's going to come in today in the low 120s. One issued is like super futures. It's the way it's trading before it gets its coupon, which will happen at 1 Eastern. I'll cover that auction. I'm pretty sure that demand's going to be good, especially considering it's a longer-dated instrument. And finally, three and a half 
A billion of pounds of three-year notes were auctioned at a slightly negative yield in the U.K. Here's a pound versus dollar since March 1st. Uh, it, it doesn't make much sense to go into negative yields considering all the information out there, but it's pretty amazing if weakening the currency is one of the reasons to issue a slightly negative instrument. It certainly doesn't seem to be having that effect on the pound at this point in time. David, Jim, Carl, back to you. All right, Rick, a busy day. We'll talk to you in a little while. Uh, take a quick break here. S&P uh, almost uh, 2970 as we're really not that far from the 200-day moving average of 2999. Crossing that would be the first time since March 5. Today's the first day that all 50 states have at least a partial reopen as a result of the coronavirus and markets continue to ride this wave of optimism on the return of economic activity. Dow's up 343. Reports this morning that U.S. authorities have arrested two men accused of helping Carlos Ghosn escape Japan. Our Phil LeBeau has more on that this morning. Hey, Phil. Hey, Carl. Remember when this happened back in December? This was the story long before coronavirus basically dominated everything from the middle of February on. Well, this morning, U.S. authorities have arrested Peter Taylor, 26 years old, and George Zayek, 60 years old. Uh, they both are in the Boston area. They are awaiting extradition hearings. They were arrested at the request of the Japanese government. So they've not been charged by the U.S. government. The U.S. has simply picked them up and they are now facing an extradition hearing because arrest warrants were issued in Japan for both men, along with uh, Peter Taylor's father, Michael Taylor, although we do not know if Michael Taylor has been arrested at this point, all accused of helping Carlos Ghosn uh, escape the country, avoid uh, immigration checks, uh, which he was not supposed to do. So that is the latest in a story that, guys, it gripped our attention, and everybody at the time said, well, how could they do this? How could they get away with this? Well, now the Japanese authorities are saying these two people should not get away with it, and they are facing an extradition hearing. All right, Phil, we'll look for the details to fill in on that story. Uh, we all remember that press conference Ghosn gave, uh, seems like a lifetime ago, our Phil LeBeau. Take a quick break here and a lot more with uh, Jim and David in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. There are some restaurants that are doing well, notably Olive Garden, which was down only 26% last week. Uh, Oppenheimer takes it, uh, you know, says it's the best house in full-service dining, raised target to 90. When you talk about restaurants that are sit-down, they're really the only one that's going to have a boom. Everybody else is trying to figure out where to how to sit people. Denny's was down 80%. So look out. The rest, there are going to be a couple of restaurants that survive in, in that casual dining, but almost all of them won't make it. Interesting, Jim. Yeah. Uh, you see any parallels between large, fast, casual getting bigger at the expense of independence, just as the Walmarts are getting bigger at the expense of small business retail? Absolutely. I mean, I think that unless you deliver and have a great, uh, great takeout like Wingstop, uh, I just think you can't make it work. You, you, if you have 11 tables, you're only going to have four tables. Uh, if you had a bar, well, the bar's not going to be there, and that's where all the money is. So I think it's going to be really hard for yeah. any restaurant that's not a chain to make it. It's going to, they have the scale. You can't tell the distributors what, what price you'll take when you're small. Right. And then you got Lowe's tonight, and I guess you'll delve into this 11% comp number. Barbara Ellison did it. 
everyone's going to Lowe's. It's really remarkable. It came in in July of 2018. He said it was going to take a couple of years. He said, don't get excited. He said, one day he'll come on TV. He'll be on Mad Money and he'll be able to talk about how it's back. And it is so back. It's incredible. And the stock was a very big at the beginning of the day. Uh, there's been profit taking in all these retailers and then they roar later on. So don't sell it. Don't be, don't be silly. Wow, David, look at that lineup that Kramer Man. has. Man, I was just looking at it saying, you're annoying me. You really are. You got to get bigger, go you home, got David. Dirk, That's all I know. Really? Get bigger, go you home. You got Vestberg. Sheryl Sandberg? You got oh, Sheryl Sandberg coming up? I not. Yeah, she's going to drop by. It's like Carson. She's going to drop by. You know? <laughs> like Don Rickles? do a drop by, huh? <laughs> yeah, Don Rickles. She's going to be on she's the just couch. Gonna sit on I'm the... going to put her on the couch. After she's going to sit on the couch for a little bit? Yeah. yeah I, have to, I have to make room. You know, she's in town. I'm put her on. Just scoot down. Just scoot yeah, down the you couch. Know, come on. Let's uh, see. We never room. even we never got to uh, the uh, memo uh, from Facebook limiting 25 percent capacity when people go back to the office. Well, they're making so much money. I guess they can work anywhere they want. Right. They can work from the four seasons for the rest of their lives. Room service. Putting you uh, Jim, that's the lineup of these uh, businesses. We can't wait. Yeah. Well, you know, try to always we'll, try to we'll best David. That's the game, right? Well, you're, you're doing it. <laughs> Stop you're doing it. it. You're my partner. Oh, You're my partner. You're just not you. next to me. I can't go like this, you know. And you can't go like this like you used to. It's like, yes, yeah, yeah, that's right, Jim. I can try, though. That's right. All right. I'm done with you today. <laughs> oh. Wow. Someday soon, guys. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 